Well, I purposely included that verse 20 today because if you were here last week or if you were watching on Zoom last week, you are on Zoom. If you were, I feel like I'm on Zoom all the time. So if you're watching online last week, you know that last week we talked about uh, the gospel passage that precedes this and Peter's confession, his, his confession of Jesus being the Christ, the son of the living God and making, and I, I called it the, the inception of the church. Jesus, once he hears Peter's confession, says, upon this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. We talked about that last week. Jesus then tells the disciples not to tell anybody that he's the Christ. Why is that? Well, it's because of what comes this week in our readings, and we don't get that full, that full understanding until we read the next week's readings, which, of course, was the reading for today. Why is it that Jesus doesn't want Peter's confession to be widespread? Because he knows our tendency towards triumphalism. He knows that we would easily skip the pain. We are, uh, we are pain adverse, and we would go right on to the glory of Jesus's being the King of kings and Lord of lords, and skip the suffering and the sacrifice and ultimately the cross of Jesus, which of course is what Jesus has to remind them of. Yes, I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus says. Well said, Peter, but first understand that I must go to Jerusalem and suffer and die and rise on the third day. At that moment, Jesus has infused their understanding it it will take them a while as a matter of fact it'll take them well past Jesus's resurrection right a couple of days till they really understand how Jesus will come into his glory well these words that follow are 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 all over the New Testament all over the gospel passages over and over again you can't escape them we are Jesus says we're to deny ourselves we're to take up our cross and we're to follow him Harder words can't be found, I don't believe, in the scriptures. How, how do we do this? How do we, how do we learn to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow him? This is something that every Christian has to contemplate. Uh, in view of the gospel, in view of what Christ is willing to do for us, we're called to sacrifice ourselves, to deny ourselves. It, it's, it's a scripture I've preached many, many times. I don't recall, although I'm sure it's happened before, that in the same week we both have this, this important passage, which again is repeated throughout the Gospels of denying self, taking up cross, and following me, with Paul's writings in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And I want to remind you of what Scott read to you from Romans uh, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, because this also is an extremely famous passage. This is one probably, if you've been a Christian from, for any length of time, you've, you've struggled with. How do I do this, Paul? And here's what Paul says. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, or better put, in view of the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect. Now, you have all heard those scriptures before. I don't know that I've ever seen them in a lectionary placed together, like I said, they may have been, but laid up against each other because I believe they are, in some sense, parallel and a reflection of one another. 
And it's that I want to talk to you a little bit today, uh, not to get into these things. I know you've heard of those, those scriptures. You probably could stand up here and give me a, a nice lecture on both of those passages. You've heard them so many times. But to think about them in parallel and then to think about what Paul says afterwards, which is the thing that catches me up this week. In so many ways, they are very similar in that they call us in view of God's great mercy. Paul has spent 11 chapters in the book of Romans describing the mercies of God, describing the grace of God. If you aren't familiar with the first 11 chapters, let me remind you, this is an advertisement, I will be teaching an online Bible study on the book of Romans starting this Wednesday night. So we'll start with chapter 1 and we'll work all the way up to chapter 12 and you can see how Paul brings out all the the wonders of the mercies of God, the grace of God. He lays out the gospel in an amazing way. So Paul comes to the end of chapter 11. He says, in view of God's great mercies, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. I don't know what you'd prefer, deny yourself, take up your cross, or to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, being no longer uh, conformed to the world, but transformed to the world. Uh, Both are challenging in their own ways, but Paul and Jesus are agreed that the only response in view of God's grace is to make a complete offering of ourselves. To say to the Lord, you know, Lord, I clearly don't have a clue about how to run my life. And so I give you control. I put myself before you and I say, teach me again how to live this life that you've called me to. Huge and challenging words. And like I said, I know you've heard lots and lots of sermons. You've heard me preach sermons if you've been around servants for any length of time. But here's the thing I want to focus on this week. Where do we go to learn how to live out these two parallel scriptures? Where do we go to learn how to take up our cross and deny ourselves and follow him? Where do we learn to make ourselves a living sacrifice acceptable to him, not conformed to the world, but renewing our minds that we can be transformed? Where do we learn to do that? Where do we learn it? In the church. Whoever said it. I can't read lips because the mask are up. So. But, uh, but it, yes, in the church. I think that the, the, the writers and the editors of, not the writers of the Bible, but the editors of our particular version of the Bible we have in English do us a disservice because chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 is segmented off from the rest of the chapter and, and it's sort of put apart. And, and oftentimes, because there's so much to unpack there, we think of it in isolation. But I want to say to you that you have to read Romans 12 in its totality, see it as a unit, because I believe that what Paul goes on to say is the very fact that yes, it is in the church that we learn to do these denying and taking up cross, offering ourselves as a living sacrifice, and being renewed in our minds. Look at what Paul says. If you've got your Bible there, look at verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say, everyone ought, among you ought not to think himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned to him. Be sober in your judgment towards yourself. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. We need to hear that. 
Even if we're, if we're quiet and shy and not bold and willing to tell people, the reality is that the, the brokenness of our nature is that we somehow deep down really do think that we have it right. All of it or most of it. And we live out of that perception. And Paul says, if we're going to learn to be transformed in the renewing of our minds, then we're going to have to die to that. And we're going to have to learn to, to be sober in our judgment towards ourselves. We're going to have to learn to, to, to look at the standard of the, of the measure of our faith. That word measure of our faith could be the standard of our faith, which is Jesus Christ. You see, the reality is that it's easy always to, to compare ourselves to other people. Say, I'm better than that person. That person's got it completely wrong. At least I don't, I'm not as bad as that person. But, but, but the standard of our faith, the measure of our faith, in fact, is our Lord Jesus Christ. And he has been gracious towards each of us. And Paul's going to go on to say he's endowed each of us with spiritual gifts. Therefore, we need to be sober in our judgment towards ourselves and measured in the way we approach other people. It's in the community that we learn to to understand how to make this transformation, how to die to self, all the things that we just talked about a minute ago. Douglas Moo, yes, his name is Moo, M-O-O, is a famous New Testament theologian. Um, he, he, in our century, he, he teaches at Wheaton, and, or at least did teach at Wheaton. And, and Moo wrote a commentary on Romans. And Moo said that, that Paul would have never imagined a believer seeking to grow in his or her faith apart from the church. That it would have been within the context of the church that any believer would have expected to grow We need each other to grow. We need each other to challenge us and to help us to understand that oftentimes we get it completely wrong. If you're married, you know this well because your spouse is probably the chief means of the Holy Spirit to speak to you about where you get it wrong, right? And I don't know about you, but in, in our marriage, Jody and I, we, we, we are constantly allowing the Holy Spirit to do that. Sometimes willingly and sometimes unwillingly. But Jody called me up the other day. I was, I, was, I was treating a salesperson, not by the transforming of my mind, but conformed to the schemes of this world. And I was demanding better service and I was not being very pleasant. And Jody was just like the Holy Spirit, you know, just... Phew. You're not treating that person with respect and dignity. They're not, you're not loving them as your neighbors yourself. The smallest, smallest fraction of the church oftentimes are the Christian members of our own immediate family. But of course it goes out from there. Look back to verse 1 and 2. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. See, we, we, in our Western mindset, we think plurality. I mean, we think singularity. We think individuality. We think of ourselves. Okay, I have to figure out how to, to, to offer myself as a living sacrifice. When, when Paul is saying, present your bodies. Remember, he's writing the, the letter of Romans to the Roman church, not to individual Roman Christians. He calls them to do it together. To see themselves together. Paul goes on in, 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 in the next couple of verses to talk about this very familiar analogy, um, the, the body of Christ. And I don't know about you, but there are some times where I hear that and I hear Paul, I, I taught through 1 Corinthians last, last year, uh, or last spring, 
And Paul talks about that we're all one body with many members and that, you know, and all I can hear is my parents saying to me when I was little, you got to get along with them because they're your siblings. You know, you got to love them because they're your siblings. I mean, if you're a parent, you've, in, you've definitely said that to your children. And if, and you're all have been children at one point, I'm certain, unless you're an only child, then, then you've, you've heard that repeated to, to, uh, to yourself. Get along with them because they're your, your siblings. I don't know, that always struck me as really kind of a weak argument, you know. Just because, just because we came from the same mother, I got to like this person and get along with them. Paul is saying so much more in this analogy. Don't, don't just go back to your, your childhood experiences of your parents just lecturing you why you should get along with your brothers and sisters. Understand that what Paul is saying is, is incredibly deep theologically here. Paul is saying that we are together in Christ, that because Christ has died for each of us, because we have believed on him, we have become spiritually one body with him. We are the body of Christ, spiritually connected, not just with Christians in our generation, but with the the generations of Christians who've gone before us. It's a supernatural thing. Paul goes on to say that, that we grow through the body. That's what I've been talking about. How do we live it out? By being in the body. But not only do we grow by being a part of the body, by being a part of the body, we help other people to grow. I'm going to push this point for a second because I think that there are times where we can feel as if there's just a few people who are the superstars and everybody else is sitting on the sidelines. Sort of like watching a professional sport. I was reading a book on church growth recently and a guy, my Robert Lovelace said, he said, that's the, that's, the, that's the problem sometimes is that we allow a few superstars to exercise their gifts while we stand around the rest of us and applaud them. And it's a, it's a, a two-way street. They get to, they get to be great and, and we get off the hook. We get unchallenged. Paul says that's, that's not what we're to be about. That the body has many members and that each member and each person is important. And where, where we are missing that member, we're impoverished. Every person. I had a lady once who was terribly introverted. She said, nobody misses me if I'm not in church. I said, I miss you when you're not in church. And when you're there, you encourage me in ways that you can't imagine. And so it is in the body of Christ. It's not automatic. But that's what Paul is getting at. That, that when we allow ourselves to be challenged by one another, we both grow and we assist other people to grow. Now, what are we talking about? Are we talking about three or four where Jesus says, I'm in the midst of them and that's the church? That's a manifestation of the church, a small group, a covenant group. Uh, a, a, a community group, the local church, but beyond that, diocese and, and province and Anglican church worldwide, yes, but beyond that, it's, it's the community of fellowship of, of all believers across denominations. As we, we, we try, we're walking through this really difficult time of racial division in our country, and we're trying to understand how, we, how, we, how are we to respond? How are we to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, especially those brothers and sisters of color? 
It's not the social media that we look to. It's not the, the national movements that we look to. It's our fellow brothers and sisters who are Christians, who represent those people of color. We're listening to them because they're the body of Christ. And if they have something to teach me, I want to learn it. I don't want the secular culture to teach me. I want my family, the body of Christ to teach me. Because Paul says that's the way it's supposed to work. You're a body with many members. And each member is important. Whether we're talking about the global level or the local level or a citywide church, it's important to remember the body of Christ. That's what Paul says. How do we learn to do these things? We do them in the context of the body. We learn to exercise our gifts and receive the gifts of other people. Now, don't get caught up on the gifts that Paul uses here. There's a list here about six gifts, prophecy, leading, serving. There's other gifts in 1 Corinthians and other places in the New Testament. But even if you take all those gifts together, they're only about, I don't know, 16, 17, 18 gifts, maybe 19 total. I don't think those are meant to be exhaustive. There are, the Holy Spirit is capable of giving us all sorts of gifts. And all are needed all are needed. But the prerequisite, the prerequisite of using those gifts is first being challenged to obey the Lord Jesus who says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. You see, gifts not submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ will not be a blessing to the church. They'll be just the opposite. We have to Offer those gifts and all of ourselves, our whole body, which means the totality of who we are as a living sacrifice to God. For God to use as he would, not as we decide we should be using our gifts. A couple of challenges, one reward, and I'm done. First challenge. I believe the challenge of these scriptures is for us as we walk through this period of pandemic and COVID-19. I think the challenge is that for some people, some of us, we will decide that it is just easier to watch safely from home even after the pandemic is gone. I warn you, I warn all those who are watching online, be careful about that. Watching church from a distance is not the same. We are not going to be challenged to grow, nor can we challenge other people to grow if all of our worship is done remotely or on TV or internet. That will be the challenge. Can we come back together and resume being the body of Christ together? That's a challenge. Secondly, I think the challenge for the established churches, and we are an established church now. We're no longer a church plant. We're a church this, this, the challenge of this scripture for, the, for an established church is that we can easily get the mentality of we're all good here. We got enough people in the music team. We got enough people in the youth ministry, in the children's ministry. We got enough clergy. We got enough lay people. We got enough lay leaders. We're all good here. Somebody you remember, a guy named Dan Watkins about 10 years ago. He went to another church in town. He, he was a brilliant musician and an incredible with kids. And the church basically said, we don't need you. And they let him go. Luckily, we picked him up on waivers and 
Used the heck out of him while we had him. Twice around because he came back through Gainesville. The challenge for the established church is to underestimate the gifts that you don't yet have. And to go, we're all good. When the Lord says that he wants to use the body to continually grow us and for us to help grow one another. The third challenge, and this is the individual challenge, the individual challenge is how do you obey Jesus and Paul? How do you deny yourself? How do you take up your cross? What does that look like? How do you offer yourself as a living sacrifice? How do you continually let your mind be renewed? My answer is through the church. And here's the reward, and I'm done. Here's the reward. We get to be the body of Christ in this world. If that doesn't excite you, I'll see you Wednesday night for Romans chapter 1. We get to bring the, the transforming love of God into this world. We get to see his mercies poured out on new people and see them come alive in Christ. That is the reward for seeking to obey him in the context of his church. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.